Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to mitigate crises and help teams get back on track. This podcast is about helping the C-suite leader to navigate challenges with confidence. For today's leader, I'm here to help you get back on track. Tomorrow's leader, let me partner with you to learn the secrets of the C-suite. Wherever you're at in your career, this is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I want to thank you for joining us on another episode where week after week I speak to amazing leaders who share their insights, and it is my hope for you that they also inspire you. And if you love this episode, please tell somebody else about it. This is an amazing free resource for others. If you could, please subscribe, rate, review, so we can continue to bring you amazing program. And just know I am here for the C-suite leader of today and tomorrow to navigate challenges with confidence. And today, it is my honor to introduce to you Wendy Cock, who is the author of Making Flex Work, Defining Success on Your Own Terms, her book. And she is also a chemical engineer by training and spent over 20 years in Fortune 500 companies leading technical teams across multiple time zones, borders, and languages. We're going to go all into her background, but I just want to get to it. Wendy, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here today. And I am as well. And a shout out to the network. Neil Thompson introduced us and I met Wendy and I said, oh my, I have to bring her on the show. Her topic around making flex work is so relevant to whether you're a C-suite leader or aspiring to get there. She's got a great story and I can't wait to dig into her insights. So Wendy, I'll give you the floor a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself personally and a bit about your journey. Certainly. So my journey towards flexibility happened while I was on maternity leave with my first child. He's now in middle school. And at that time, when I was at home, I knew I needed to go back to work. I knew it. I knew that I was being pulled there. I have this passion for my work. So I wasn't going to stay at home. But I also felt this pull to be with him more than I was able to be with him in my corporate job. So I had been back just a few months when I started my journey towards a flexible work arrangement. It took me 11 months to get to that first arrangement, even though I worked for a Fortune 500 company who had an amazing flexible work policy. Well, that's what you'll find is a lot of these companies a decade, 15 years ago, they all had policies, but there weren't really examples of how to do it. And so it took me so long. And by the time I finally got my part-time I started hiding it and I hid it because I didn't want it to get taken away. I knew how hard it was to get what I wanted. And so I stopped telling people about it. I had the flexible work arrangement for about seven years when I got a call from the head of HR for the entire company wanting to talk to me about my flexible work. And I panicked because I knew she was taking it away from me. There was no way... At that point, I was a, an associate director. I was leading a strategy team for the entire organization. And I thought, oh no, this is it. I've hit that spot where I can't be flexible anymore. I, I'm not giving enough to the company. And she called me in and she said, Wendy, my question for you is not, can you give up your flexible work? She said, my question for you is how have you made it work so long? Because she said, I see people 
embark on these journeys and nobody makes it more than one to two years. Either they have failed at their job or they have failed at home and they have scrapped the flexible work and they have changed their entire plan. She said, how have you been doing it for so long? And then she gave me a mission. She said, your job as a leader is to remember that people are watching you. And I need you to model how flexible work arrangements can be successful in the business. That started my journey towards talking to every person that I could about the options for flexible work and what they could do to really be successful in a way that they didn't think was possible. So I left corporate America in 2022. I wrote and published Making Flex Work. I own my own consulting business and I joined the faculty at Georgia Tech teaching biomedical engineering, which was the industry that I was in. It has been such a fun journey and I can't wait to see what's next. Oh, what a amazing story here. And there are so many points of connection between you and me. And you reminded me about biomedical engineering. I actually studied that as an engineer. We are both engineers. We are both deep thinkers, problem solvers, and also have found greater purpose for what we're doing, not just the technical work. What's really, really interesting about what you say is that also I coming up in my career, even when I simply wanted to work a day from home, I felt so not embarrassed or not ashamed, but just like, is it going to have a negative impact on my the perception that people have of the quality of work that I'm doing? And now since I've been able to realize a flexible arrangement, again, I now own my own business, but I also work for other people. I feel completely liberated. And if you're aligned with the work that you're doing, whether it's for somebody else or yourself, you find a way to make flex work. It is challenging, but I just love, love, love the work that you're doing. And I can't wait to pull out more nuggets from your conversation. So what an amazing feeling when HR asked you, help me help the team understand how you make it work. What was the next step for you to bring that forward and, and working with the people around you? Yes. Yeah, so the people I had worked with very closely, I had been very honest with them from the beginning. So everybody who worked on my team, they worked for me. They worked on projects that I worked on. They all knew that I was on a flexible schedule. At that point, I was a part-time employee. My team knew a couple things. One, everyone knew that they had my cell phone and they knew that if there was an emergency, they were supposed to call me. They knew if they needed me, they were supposed to call me. And our agreement spoken was that if it's not a good time, I won't answer. So they never had to worry about interrupting me. I took that burden on. I said, if you need me, you call me. If I can't answer, I will call you back. That way, they never had to think, well, is this dinner time? Is this bedtime? That's not for them to have to deal with. That's for me to have to deal with. The second thing I did was block off time intentionally on my calendar so that it was very clear to people the hours I was working and the hours I wasn't working. Again, take that burden on myself. Now, there are lots of types of work arrangements. And any work arrangement can be flexible. Any work arrangement can be inflexible. If you don't work on Fridays ever, that is not a flexible work arrangement. It's just a non-traditional one. So the important thing is to understand what the business priorities are. I would say over the last 13 years of working flexible arrangements, I've never worked two weeks that looked exactly the same on the calendar. Because sometimes you need to be for a, a 7.30 meeting. And sometimes you need to be online with Asia at 10 o'clock at night. And sometimes you're going to work out at lunch. And sometimes 
you're going to go for a walk with a friend at four o'clock. That's okay. It's about piecing it all together. But really those two pieces, making sure people knew where to get me and people knew when I was and was not available was really important. I went part-time when there, we were still in an office and I had a little sign on my desk that said, working flexibly, here's my cell phone. And I left it. So when I would leave my desk, I would put that on my desk. So if somebody walked by and they really did need me, anybody could get me anytime. So you have removed the stigma of flexibility as maybe an entitlement or something that only a few might get. What you have done is you've definitely shown your commitment to the people that you support in the organization where below, above, et cetera, that you give them peace of mind to know you are there for them. But you, as you said, take on the responsibility of setting those boundaries such that you protect yourself to maintain that lifestyle that you're seeking while still providing a valuable service. So amazing. But before we got on here, we talked about two levels where flexible arrangements have to be implemented. And they're a little bit different, whether you're already a C-suite leader with a team around you, as well as though then the person that's seeking a flexible arrangement and has not yet gotten that. I would love to talk about the leader, the leader who is an advocate for flexible work arrangements. You talked a little bit about themselves and the behavior they have to exhibit in order to make it successful. I'd love to know a little more about that. Yeah, one of the first pieces of advice I got when I became a people leader was to always remember that you're being watched. And as a female engineer, it was probably more apparent because there were not a lot of people that looked like me in leadership in my organization. And and I had mentioned to this mentor that I felt like people were watching me all the time. And uh, she said, sweetie, they are. They are watching you all the time. They are watching to see what you do. They are watching to see if it's successful and they're watching to see if you fail. People are always watching. And that is not just a woman thing. That is anybody in leadership. Everyone looks up to someone as a role model to say what is working and what isn't. So when you get into those leadership roles, you have to always remember that people are watching you and they are matching up what you say with what you do. So if as a leader, you say, your family time is very important. I don't want you to work on nights and weekends. And then you start sending emails at 10 o'clock at night from bed and on Saturday morning from the soccer field. People say, oh, well, she said not to work nights and weekends, but I mean, she's working nights and weekends, so I should probably also be working nights and weekends. They feel obliged to uh, respond back to you because you're working. So now you have, as a leader, restated the expectation because of your preference. The same goes with flexibility. If you tell people you want them to adopt a more balanced workload, and then you are in the office five days a week, 12 hours a day, and you're never leaving your desk to eat, and you're never doing anything for yourself, they see that too. And what they see is always going to be more important than what you say. And they're going to say, to get ahead, to be like Wendy, I have to do the things that Wendy has modeled for me, regardless of what she says. So as a leader who wants to embrace flexibility, I'm telling you, you have to actually do it. Even if it's not something that feels comfortable to you, even if you prefer to be in the office 
constantly, and you prefer to be on your phone and email all the time, you are at a level where you don't get to make that preference. It's not your choice. You have to drive the culture that you want to see. So I really, really, really love this point because I'll be the first one to raise my hand. I was that leader and I have tendencies to drift back into it, especially in my own business. I just love working on my business, making connections, podcasting, et cetera. However, I finally, to my husband said, first of all, this is the year of simplicity. I need to make things simple. I have had to learn a few techniques as a leader within my own business. So I might work but I don't send those emails out till Monday morning. There's functionality where you can schedule those things so you don't interrupt the people you care about and give them the time to enjoy the time with family and community. And I too have had to time block. You're right. It is different every single week, but I have to block out that time so I can walk the dog, do the chores that I need to invest in my own business before I can serve others. Because I found if I am always on, eventually I will hit a wall. And then the people I support or work with are going to see that. They're going to see that I'm tired and I always want to show up as my best. So I too have had to learn the hard way and all those C-suite leaders out there, your behavior is being watched. Yeah, I am a huge proponent of journaling your time. I have a a, a great free time journal on my website, makingflexwork.com if anybody wants it. I am all about being intentional with what you are doing with your time. And you don't know what you're doing unless you write it down. I think that's my engineer in me. (laughs) As an engineer, I was trained to optimize machines. Optimize processes. That's what engineers do. I have just taken all of those principles and put them on myself. So the first step in any engineering is creating your baseline or understanding your current state. So in my evaluation method, I ask people to write down what they're doing for a week, literally track your time. Because if you don't know what you're doing, you cannot change it. Mm. I so agree. So this is valuable insight. And again, for anybody listening out there, if this is resonating with you, I do advocate for you to go visit Wendy's website, get some of her tools. Because In fact, Wendy, I'll just let you know, and I was so excited this last week, somebody messaged me on LinkedIn and says, guess what, Deb, I listened to this particular episode and I applied the principle and a good thing happened as a result of it. So if you're listening out there, just take this free advice. A couple of these tips may actually change the trajectory of what you're working on or especially in seeking a flexible arrangement. I wanted to take a moment to remind you that a recent study showed nearly 60% of leaders feel depleted at the end of the day. And this feeling is a key indicator of burnout and makes it difficult to lead and inspire others. If you've ever experienced that restless exhaustion, you know why CEOs are amongst the most likely candidates for experiencing job frustration. I wrote The CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track, to confront those feelings and create a plan that is sustainable for you and your organization. I created a seven point assessment that will help you figure out your problems in days, not months. And it includes so many resources, worksheets, videos, and much, much more. If this is you, please head over to my website, dropinceo.com and click on my products, The CEO's Compass, and order yours on Amazon or other outlets. And now back to the conversation. I want to switch it though now to the individual 
who is in search of a flexible arrangement, but may or may not know how to ask for it or set themselves up so they can ask for it and ultimately get what they want. What are some tips for that person that is seeking that in a culture that maybe doesn't have that as a way of working? So for your individuals, the most important thing I can tell you is to make it about the business. The language of business is time and money, and you're going to make it about time and money. I'm going to encourage you to think through the business case for the investment that you want the company to make in you. Many of your listeners, I am sure, make proposals for business development, for new products, for new markets, for new campaigns. Think of this for yourself. So what do you want to know? You want to know what am I going to get and what do I have to give? So from a business case standpoint, once you've written down what you need, so that E in evaluation, now we we have our journal, we know what we are doing, and we know how that is different than what we want. We're going to do two more steps. One, we're going to do the V in eval, which is we're going to value optimized work. So we're going to take a moment and look around and figure out about ourselves. When are we the most efficient? And when does the business need us to do certain things? And we're going to start to block those out on our calendar. I am a morning person. I love heads down focused work. I can get up at 5 a.m. and knock it out. Do not ask me to do that sort of work at 3.30 in the afternoon. My blood sugar has crashed and I am done. So for me, collaborative time is important in the afternoon because I don't need all the brain power. I can feed off those other people. I'm an extrovert. So you get me back in the room and they can re-energize me in a way that I can't sit still. I have friends who you should not talk to until they have had three cups of coffee. Those people are going to be wanting to do that focused work in the afternoon. So understanding where you do the work and where the business needs you. Are there stand-up meetings in the middle of the day? Do we have all-day meetings on Wednesdays for alignment? Where do these things fit? Because you're not going to want to ask for something that is going to stop the business. So you're going to think through that time. You're going to really think about valuing that optimized work. The next step is assessing the expectations. So be real honest with yourself. What are you doing for the business? Are you doing more or less than what they have contracted you to do? We like to think of ourselves as, oh, well, I'm just a a full-time employee and I sort of work at the will of whoever has dumped the work at me. But we've all created an agreement for a certain plate full of work for a certain amount of money. Sometimes you do it by the hour. Sometimes you do it by salary, right? So really understanding what you're doing and do those things add value to the company? Or is there someone else that could be doing those things? And if we took those off of your plate, you would feel what you needed to feel and you didn't have to give up anything at the company. So it could be, did you volunteer to be on a committee three years ago and you've just never left it? Did you pick up something when you were a very junior employee and some other junior employee would love that opportunity if you just weren't so selfish as to keep holding on to it? Are you doing things that Somebody used to do, but nobody really pays attention to anymore, but it's just part of the standard work, so you do it. These are the types of things I want you to look at, what's on your plate. I read a recent survey that said one of the top causes of burnout is the work that is not assigned. So it's the work outside that is coming in that's making you feel exhausted. 
So now you've got those pieces, right? I know what I am doing. I know how I can work, what the business needs. And I know some options for what I can move around. Now I can present a business case to a leader. I can say, look, here's what I know about myself. Here's what I know about the business. And now we can engage in a negotiation just like any other business deal. This is amazing advice. And I hope people out there listening and writing every single one of these steps down. I've had to practice some of these very, very, very actionable and makes total sense. Now, I want to like highlight though some of your work right now. You wrote Making Flex Work, Defining Success on Your Terms. Tell me a little bit more about the book. Like, when did you write the book? I, I know you were actually just came out. Tell us what the impact is of this book. Like, who are you trying to help with it? Yeah, so I wrote Making Flex Work in 2022. So we just had my book's first birthday. We have been so excited to have this book out. The target audience for it when I wrote it was for those individuals who felt like they were floundering because that's how I felt when I wrote it, when I first started, right? When my son went back to work, I literally thought I was failing at everything. Now, I was probably, if you asked any portion of my life, they would say, eh, she was probably like an A minus, a B not the top of her game, but I felt like I was failing Mm. because I want to show up the best me in all the places. So at work, I felt like I was constantly trading off. And at home, I felt like I was constantly trading off. And with my friends, I constantly felt like they were getting the short end of the stick. And then my marriage was sort of at the bottom of that list. And my husband is so gracious, but he was literally getting the leftovers. So I wrote this book for all of those people that feel like that that say, I need something different because I am driven and I am, I do want to be successful, but I want to be successful in all of those areas, not just have to pick and choose. So I definitely recommend everybody getting the book. I'm sure there are many people that can raise their hand and say, that's me. But I also want to get to another piece of work that you're really excited about. Can you tell us more? Yeah, so I'm working on a second book right now. I will be honest, it does not have a title yet. It has gone to copy editing and it still doesn't have a title. Making Flex Work for me just came so naturally in terms of a title and it just sat with me and I have struggled with this second book. But if they go to makingflexwork.com, there is information about the second book there as well. This book brings in my background in our small family business. So I was raised by what I thought was a stay-at-home mom. It was not until I was an adult that I realized that my stay-at-home mother actually ran her own manufacturing business out of our house with employees and a salary and all of the other things. To me, that's what stay-at-home mom meant. It's not that I didn't know she was doing it. I just thought that's what stay-at-home moms did. I had no idea that the experiences that I was getting that I would bring into my career and my life, I had no idea that every family didn't talk about business strategy over dinner. I had no idea that every teenager wasn't also having to think about payroll and minimum wage changes as a part of their lives. And so I have actually brought that through my career. And the second book is about how to think about your career as if you are the owner of your own small business, the business of you, (laughs) and you are the product. How do you market it? What is your quality control? What is your research and development that you're doing for yourself? And most importantly, what is your strategic direction and who is that network and that board of directors that you're going to go to for decisions about yourself? Okay, so I just got super excited about this. Super excited and congratulations (laughs) on, you know, working on the same book and just 
a little shameless plug here for my listeners. I am writing my second book. I've just contracted my book coach 2024. I'm not going to share the title yet because I actually think it might change, but men for the aspiring C-suite leader who is struggling and <laughs> seeing if I could help them. But it's very, sounds similar to your work. But Excellent. you just said the business of you. And I don't know if that's a title that's already taken. <laughs> it is. Okay. Yeah, so um, if anybody is in your audience is thinking about writing a book, one of my tips is go see if the URL is available. Yeah. And so I have been <laughs> scratching off titles that I love because somebody already owns that website. But you know what I really love about the storyline here, and again, we're going off script here, is the fact is that there are so many people that I've had an opportunity through my networking that are trying to move up or out in their career. And I really find that they are missing that business mindset from rather than just doing what they've always done to taking a take control effect and being able to assess what's my long-term plan, put a business plan around it in case, you know, you can't necessarily leave your day job or not ready to make a move. You have to be thinking strategically. And I find only a few people in business are taught or able to model those key skills needed for the next level. Strategic planning, critical thinking, decision logic, all of that. And when you look at yourself at home or you're in you and your community or your volunteer organization, we have to look at everything like a business. Is it worth my investment of time? Are the relationships important for my support or for my network? And I so appreciate the fact that you reflect back then to the family unit, that that operations Somebody or a group of people have to make that work constantly making decisions. It must be somewhat of a tribute also to your family as well in this book, is it? It is. It, it certainly yeah. is. My When I finished my very first draft, um, I gave it to my mom to read first. Mm. So my our family is very tight. My father passed away in 2015 and my mother moved in next door to us. She would have moved in the house, except I said, no, my husband said she could. I said, we needed to find somewhere else. I love her, but I also love our space. So she lives in the house next door. My grandmother, who is 94, lives with her. So when we go out for family dinners on Friday night, we span in age from 10 to 94. In one big SUV, we pile in, we pile out into a restaurant. And she knew I was working on another book, but she didn't know what it was. So um, she is my biggest cheerleader. She would never tell me that it was bad. So if anybody's writing a book, I suggest you find someone who will never tell you that it's bad and let them read it first because there is <laughs> nothing more exposing to writing a book than giving it to someone else to read the first time. Nothing else in our professional lives is only on us. Even a CEO has a board of directors. But when you are the author of a book, it is just you. Very much like the emperor and the, his new clothes. So I gave it to my mom and my mom called me and she said, um, so I'm crying, but when I finish crying, I'll finish reading it. It's a beautiful thing. You know, just a personal story again. Thank you for that. And I know too, I've shared my first book with a number of people and they've told me how much it has impacted them. And again, it's not for everybody, these books, but put it in the hands of the right people. It is significant. And I actually had somebody tell me as they're writing their book, they actually took some of my work and quoted it in their book and shared that with me. And I was like, oh my God, oh my, my God. legacy is had somewhat of an impact on others. You're paying respect to your family, to your mother, to show how she's had an impact on you. Again, at the end of the day, what matters most is our connection with humanity and family. And by seeking flexible arrangements so that we can realize it all is what we're here to do. 
And so I'm so grateful to know you and your work. Well, I'm just so glad to be here. I hope that your audience is able to take away something. I have so many free resources on the web. I heard you in the intro. You said, you know, this podcast is, is a free resource for people. And I agree. There are lots of ways to make money in a business, but giving people the tools they need to be successful should not be one of them, right? These are the, these are the, the easy tools. Just come and take them. So at the website, makingflexwork.com, tons of free stuff. I have free time journals. I have a step-by-step on how to follow the evaluation method of your time and how to go through it. If they want to buy something, their book is available on Amazon or any place that you can buy your books. Um, I also have a companion workbook that goes along with it. That one is not available anywhere except from me. And that is a simple reason. It is spiral bound. I was telling you before we started that I'm a paper person and I love a spiral notebook that you can flip around and turn it the way you want it. And Amazon has not yet figured out how to spiral bind. So I found a lovely woman-owned print shop here in my local area in Atlanta, and she makes those for me. So you have to get those off my website. Oh, just amazing. And everybody out there, again, first of all, connect with Wendy on LinkedIn, visit her website, let her know how you found her. There's nothing better than when somebody says, oh, I heard about you on Deb's uh, Drop-In CEO podcast, or you checked out her work. It is a thrill knowing that people are listening and wanting to connect. So Wendy, I want to say thank you so much for dropping in on the podcast. You have been an amazing guest, wishing you much success with the next book and you be well. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who will find it useful and inspiring. When you share this podcast, it allows me to continue to help C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow to navigate their challenges with confidence. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.